Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I'm reading out of the New International Version. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So this is the Advent season, Advent, four weeks leading up to Christmas Day. Advent means coming. So we're celebrating Jesus coming to earth. Luke 2, 11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. The Lord of all, because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Not only God over us, God all around us, but God, eternal creator, almighty God, came to be with us. That's a sermon right there. Another day. Absolutely amazing. So each Sunday of the Advent season has its own distinctive theme. Four of them. Today is hope, then joy, then peace, and then on Christmas Sunday will be love. Each theme is represented by a candle on the Advent wreath. And that white candle right in the middle will light that on Christmas Eve. It's the Christ candle. Again, celebrating Jesus coming, God with us. Billy Graham said, what oxygen is to the lungs, hope is to our survival in the world. I read recently, something you're probably aware of, but uh, saying that in the Air Force survival training courses, instructors teach something called the rule of threes. In a survival, you can last three weeks without food. That's hard to believe, but that's what they say. Three days without water. Three hours without shelter in extreme conditions. Three minutes without air. But you can't make it three seconds without hope. Hope. Uh, It seems to me that most of us are in a constant state of hopefulness. Not hopelessness, but hopefulness. Because we're always talking about hope. We hope for good weather. We hope we're going to get that new job. We hope our team wins the game. Hope our friend doesn't get upset when we actually tell them the truth. We hope the test results don't come back positive. Now, hope really um, kind of boils down to being a wish. 
a wish for something to happen over which we really don't have any control of. Kind of like George Bailey, right, in A Wonderful Life. I wish I had a million dollars. Hot dog. Hope is reduced to the level of dreams that can be like soap bubbles that, you, that look beautiful to the eye but disappear at the slightest touch. I see that is our hope. But hope in the Bible is a different thing, isn't it? Hope is described in Scripture as just wishful thinking. It's not a just a feeling. It's not just a desire we might have. No, hope is joyful anticipation. And you think about Christmas and all of this season means to you joyful anticipation, active, dynamic, energizing enthusiasm for something that definitely will happen. Guaranteed. No questions asked. Hope is confident expectation based on the promises of God. I want to write that one down. Hope is a confident expectation based on the promises of God. Not how you feel, not what you wish for, but what God is telling you. That's where your hope comes from. The old hymn, Standing on the promises. Remember that one? It states this principle well. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. Through the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. Standing. Standing. Standing on the promises of God. That's where our hope comes from. All of God's promises and all of God's earthly activity are centered in one person. Jesus. Jesus. All of history, as far as man is concerned, is built around Jesus. History is divided by the life of Jesus. And our hope is found in a person. And his name is Jesus. So we look at our text today in in Romans 5. 5 5.1, I think I'll just back up to verse 25. I mean, wow, you'd have to go back to... Romans chapter 1 to get the whole context. But let me read um, chapter 4.25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, looking back at those verses, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There is a lot there. Pastor Ruff should probably break that into about four messages. I'm going to do it in about four minutes. (laughs) And it won't. (laughs) It is what it is, right? Mm. By faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross, we have been justified. There's a big word. Just think of just right. We have been made just right, righteous, and holy before a holy God. You were not just right. You were not holy. 
You were not righteous, but because of what Christ did for you on the cross, you have become righteous and holy before the holy God of the universe. And then he goes on to say that now we have peace with God. And this isn't just a a feeling. This isn't an emotion. This isn't peace of mind. But it's a fact that we no longer live under God's wrath, under His judgment, under His condemnation, that we are in peace. As a standing with, again, God Almighty. Peace with God because our sins have been completely forgiven. We're no longer guilty. Wow. No matter how you feel about that, you might feel full of guilt and shame and whatever else, but God's Word says that you are not guilty. Your sins have been completely forgiven. Completely. Thanks to Jesus. And all this is wonderfully, absolutely, 100% free. Absolutely free. We couldn't even begin to deserve it or earn it or merit it, because it's all by grace. Grace alone. That's the free gift. Justified by grace. Peace with a holy God. Hmm. All by grace. Hallelujah. What a Christmas present, huh? That's what God has given you this Christmas. Amazing. And because of what Jesus has done, he says that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Yes, God's going to get all the glory. He does get all the glory for what he's done for us, for providing our salvation, right? Providing for our salvation. But we also, we're also the recipients and the participants in this glory. Because, because now we can be all that God intended us to be. We can be the very people that God created us to be. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace. It's found in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Did you know... Did you know that you are adopted? Maybe your parents didn't tell you, huh? I'm telling you today, the news is out. Sorry I didn't prepare you more for this moment. But you are an adopted child. God chose you. Oh, isn't that amazing? You didn't find him. He chose you. He sought after you. He picked you. He picked me out of the runt of the litter. He not only chose you, but he's actually pleased with you. Get your head around that one. You might not feel like you're the object of God's pleasure this morning, but he's pleased with you. Did you know that God knew you and loved you before you were born? Before the world was even created? Did you know he created you and set you apart to be his? He called you by name with a purpose that you would know him and live with him now and forever. 
That's good. Well, I get excited about it. This is who you are in Christ. In him you are complete. You are absolutely 100% secure. This is your heritage. And this is what Peter wrote about in 1 Peter 1.4, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven just for you. I added the just part. but Kept in heaven for you. So we rejoice. On this first day of Advent, when we celebrate hope, we rejoice in the hope of who we are because of whose we are, right? All in the person of Jesus Christ. And we also rejoice in the hope that we can live like God intended us to live. This isn't just about the security of knowing we'll be with him in heaven one day, how wonderful that is. But we can live. We can live like he intended us to live. We can live right now with meaning. Life has meaning. We can live right now with a purpose. A purpose in absolutely all situations. Verse 3. Not only so, again referring to rejoicing in hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. We can have hope, and hope has a purpose. The purpose is our growth, and this is a process. It's a process that actually includes suffering or tribulation. Wow, nice Christmas message, Henry. That's good. I mean, woo! This is exciting. Time for the kids to leave, right? No, I'm sorry, but Christmas isn't always good cheer, is it? It's not. There are, it's reality. Pain and suffering, they are part of life and something we must face. And yes, even face during this Christmas season. Uh, remember what, if you were here last week, remember what Pastor Rick pointed out more than once. Um, he taught us last week that we are not thankful for suffering, right? But we're thankful Right? In our suffering. Not for, but in suffering. Why? Because it can be used by God for a purpose. And the purpose is to change us. None of us want to suffer. None of us want to experience pain. That would be sadistic. We don't do that. But it comes our way. We can't stop it. We live in this world and God says, I'm going to take that, what was intended for evil, I'm going to use it for good in your life. I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you more like me. Trials in life can teach us or train us to persevere. The idea of perseverance is, is a steadfast endurance. The ability to bear up under pressure or load. As a pilot, I, I appreciate tests. I'm glad I'm not a test pilot. But 
I really appreciate what those guys do. So if you fly at all, and you're sitting there, and you happen to have that little window looking out over the wing, if you'll notice, and most of you probably never experienced severe turbulence, but even in that light to moderate stuff, if you notice at the end of that wing it's going, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. They tested that. They made it that way. It's supposed to do that because if it was rigid, guess what? Snap. I get And if you watch old movies of, you know, test flights for airplanes, not pretty. Because they had to figure that out. They had to put it under a load, under extreme conditions. A lot of pressure on that wing in order to figure out what it could handle. Testing is incredibly important. Good things come from that. I'll read you a couple of verses, familiar verses from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross and scorning its shame, sat down, sat down at the right hand of, of God, the throne of God. That perseverance to keep on keeping on with our eyes fixed on the goal, right? Fixed on Jesus. Perseverance helps to transform us. It changes us. He says it changes our character. If you don't have the suffering, you don't have the perseverance. If you don't have the perseverance, then there's no change happening. Not that it only comes through suffering, but this is a primary way you know, that God uses in order to change our character. It changes how we see things. We get a whole new perspective on things. As we grow in that, we suddenly come to the point where we can respond to the injustices of life and not react to them. They're not constantly surprising us. Now we can have a life, a real life, that's actually full of peace, of joy, of love, and of hope. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Peter says this, in, in this you greatly rejoice. He's talking about our salvation. Though now you, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Verse 7. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Yes. Yes, we can rejoice in hope, in the hope of what suffering can produce in us. We get to become more and more like Jesus. All to the glory of God. 
Remember that. And whatever trial you're going through, whatever happens. <laughs> He's using it. He's using it to change you. He's using it to transform you. He's using it to conform you into his image and becoming more like Jesus. Pastor Levi Lusko, in his book, uh, Through the Eye of the Lion, I've referred to this before, but uh, one of my favorite stories. He talks about the Christmas from hell. The story of how he lost his five-year-old daughter to an asthma attack just five days before Christmas. And he, isn't, he and his family survived the horrible tragedy because of where they had placed their hope. Or should I say, in whom they had placed all of their hope. They hung on to the light they had as they passed through the shadow of the valley of death. Um, he refers to Hebrews chapter 6. I think it's up on the screen. Do I have that one? Yeah. 619. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Lusco says, because of Jesus, we have hope. And because of hope, even in the midst of the worst storms in life, we have an anchor for our souls. I don't get much worse than that. And yet, in that situation... He actually got up and preached that <laughs> Christmas Sunday well, because he had the hope that he could only find in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Isn't that great? It isn't just a hope, it's a living hope. A living hope even in the face of death. So whatever we're facing, whatever trial we're facing, even if it's death itself, we have this living hope. If we go back a few verses, back to Romans again. We're in Romans 5. If we go back to Romans 4... I want to read a couple of verses there, Romans 4.18. Romans 4.18 says this, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, <laughs> believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Against all hope. Wouldn't you love that? Ever been to that place in life? Against all hope, in hope. Abraham believed God. He put all of his trust, all of his faith in God to do what he promised. Remember our definition of hope, right? It's based on the promises of God, that God could do what he promised he would do in a hopeless situation. 
probably don't have this lot of time, you know, a biology lesson today, but 100 years old, usually not having kids. Sarah's about 90. I mean, this is like, this isn't going to happen. It's a miracle. God, how are you going to do that through us? Humanly impossible. Can't happen. But you said it would. Somehow you're going to work this out, that we're going to have kids. We're going to have an Isaac, and I will be the father of nations. Not only for the descendants of Abraham, which actually leads to the lineage, which leads to the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, but also he is our spiritual father. All of those who have come by faith. So Abraham, not wavering unbelief, was fully persuaded that God would do exactly what he said he would do. He never lost hope. When we have to face hard things in life, whatever life throws at us, we can stand firmly on that same hope. That same hope that Abraham have, you can have. When we are filled with fear, we need the hope of God's presence and promises. When we are faced with pain or illness, we need the hope that God knows. God understands. He's active in our lives and He can bring healing. When we are facing a hostile world, we need the hope that God is really in control. And He can turn what was intended for evil into good. That's the God in whom we have hope. O little town of Bethlehem. We sing it in the dark streets shineth an everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. All of our hope, yes, all of our hope is met in Jesus Christ. And this hope does not disappoint. Back to Romans 5, that last verse, 5 5. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You ever been disappointed at Christmas? Ever been disappointed with a gift? Yes, you have. I mean, all of us need socks and underwear. But Christmas? Seriously, parents? How many children have asked for a pony? I mean, like lots of times you're asking for a pony and you're on your best behavior, you've done everything right, and you wake up Christmas morning, you open, the, pull back the shades, you look out the window, got to be a pony. There's no pony. That's just like the ultimate disappointment, right? That's when you stop believing in Santa Claus. Finally. He blew it. Right? God's hope. God's hope can never, ever, no way, no how disappoint us. It can't. It can never leave us where we once were filled with sin, shame, and regret. The hope we have is guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed, by the person in Jesus Christ, because it has a purpose, and by the power of his love. His love through the presence, the abiding presence forever and ever of the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory.
Isn't that amazing? God has poured out. He's poured out his love directly from his heart into your heart. One commentator wrote, the verb poured out in this text speaks of an inexhaustible abundance of the supply. You, it can't run out. Your cup runneth over forever and ever and ever. That's the love of God. That's the love of God that he poured out directly into your heart. That is the hope that you can rejoice in this Christmas. Paul prayed this prayer in Romans 15, 13. It's a beautiful prayer. Actually, Pastor Russ texted me this verse this morning. He texted it to, actually, he, he sent it to, to all the elders this morning as he was, said he was praying for us as we begin this Advent season. And this is the verse he sent. And this is really a prayer. It's Paul's prayer. That may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trusted him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the God of hope. It's not just part, something he just gives out. I mean, it's who he is, just like his love. God is love. God is hope. So I ask you, what's the source of your hope this Christmas season? Do you have that kind of hope? If you're here today and you've never put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, then you don't have that hope. I pray for you. I pray for you right now. I'm praying inside of me, asking God to open your eyes to reveal himself to you. To open your heart to his amazing love that he has for you. That you would understand why he came on the first Christmas. He came to give you hope. He came to free you from your sin. To forgive you all of your sin. To give you eternal life with him. He wants you to know that. He wants you to know Him. So if you don't have that hope, you can have that hope right now, right where you are seated. Just open up your heart and say, yes, Lord Jesus, I need a Savior and you're it. Please, please forgive me of my sin. I receive you. I receive you as my Savior, as my Lord, as my source of hope. I'm yours. Thank you. Thank you. If you did that or you want to do that, then please, in just a few minutes, we're going to sing a song and and you can come talk to me during the song, after the song. If you want to talk to me, talk to somebody else. But please, don't go home without hope. Please don't leave here 
without hope. So in these five verses today, we learn that by faith in the person of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we know whose we are. We can be who we are. And by God's grace, we know why we are here. We can live with a purpose, even when we face suffering in any and all forms. This hope will never leave us. It will never disappoint us because it flows from the power of God's unconditional, everlasting love that is poured out directly into your heart by His presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Take that one home with you. Christ in you, the hope of of glory. The Holy Spirit living in you makes it possible for you to be filled this Advent season with hope, with joy, with peace, with love. And not just this season, but all the year through the rest of your life. And I pray, oh, I pray you discover, hold fast to, and rejoice in the hope you have in Christ Jesus. All to the glory of God. And I hope you have an absolutely beautiful Advent season and thoroughly enjoy all the traditions, the lights, the food, the family, the friends, the gift giving, the glorious wonder of all that Christmas is while we wait, wait for that blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have the worship team come up at this time. And I'd ask us to please stand and we'll close in prayer, if you can. So there's our prayer out of Psalm 33. And let's say that together. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, even as we put our hope in you. Amen.